0: Imagine for a second that you're the one devising a startup plan to take on higher education, to disrupt in what is arguably one of the most difficult fields to achieve that in. At this very moment, I'm sure you're thinking of that hero's journey, a difficult one with huge obstacles that could possibly dissuade you from creating a startup plan to begin with. That's probably the wavelength we're all on. How would the manifesto begin? How would the mission, vision, and value systems that drive be devised against such a foe? These are the questions we bring to the table today. As the FutureX Podcast has another conversation with higher ed changemaker Chancellor Ben Nelson of Minerva University. He's been there, he's done that, and well, this time I have a discussion. Comparing notes directly with him as I find myself in the middle of that very journey of starting up in education, trying to serve an area of the world that largely goes unseen as well as a community within our own United States that despite being the largest and fastest growing segment of the new majority in the United States continues to go unseen. Let's jump into the discussion. In my own line of work where my organization has been trying to build more access for both Latin American students into the prestige level of higher education but we are talking access in terms of monetary and then we're also trying to do the same thing in the united states for underserved communities in particular the the u.s latino community so let's talk a little bit and turn the conversation to the journey you know it i'm sure it has not been a, a an easy journey going against the grain looking at the obstacles perhaps the naysayers, maybe you can share a little bit with us about what that journey has been like, and what are some of the key lessons in affecting change and trying to really turn this road of higher education back to its roots where you're empowering others, and in particular, people who may not have access?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a great question, Hector. Um, and and the, my my answer may feel uh, a, a little bit counterintuitive maybe even uh come across as Flippin, and I I don't mean it to be um but I will say that given how radical Minerva is given how many uh molds we have shattered and um and and, and we done the journey has been remarkably easy um shockingly easy and um and and that is It is a strange thing to admit, especially given the enormous amount of hard work and late nights and Herculean effort by the entire Minerva team. But the reason I say that it's been easy is that we have had very few to no real setbacks in our journey. You know, a hard journey, a truly hard journey, you would look at and say, wow, you know, uh, you'd go down this path and then you realize that path wouldn't work and then, you know, you miss this giant milestone and then you somehow recover. That wasn't part of the Minerva story. Um, The hardest part really was upfront, right? When it was just me and a concept and I was out trying to raise $25 million with not a single co-founder, with no contract, no prototype, that was hard. Uh, That was a... Um, That was a leap of faith, which was, I mean, was impossible for, you know, uh, everyone I talked to to make really until I, I had the, the enormous luck to meet Larry Summers, uh, who uh, uh, just immediately grokked what the essence of Minerva was about and, and, and lended me his Full throated support, um, which then really led to uh, my ability to go to Benchmark Capital. Which, even with Larry's support, um, outside of ben- outside of Benchmark, no other VC would would was able to get it, um, or you know, just thought that I was insane. Um, uh, so, uh, and but Benchmark, and especially Kevin Harvey, who drove um, uh, the 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 investment of. Uh, W- was just able to, to to see the path and how we, we can take the concept of Minerva and make it into a reality. But after that, we had another 11 milestones, um, each of which would have been existential, meaning we could have hit 10 out of the 11, but if we didn't hit the 11s, we would have to shut down. Um, and it, you know, I had to deal with accreditation and finding our, uh, our our initial faculty and our students, and you know, making the technology work, which was technologically impossible when we when we actually raised our money. The underlying infrastructure didn't exist. There were all sorts of things that were 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 major major uh, uh, issues that, in theory, all of which could have just destroyed the Minerva journey. But I remember describing it a few years after I started Minerva, it almost felt like we were a boulder rolling down a mountain, uh, that all of these uh, uh, mighty trees that seemed to be in our way actually just snapped like twigs. Uh, and again, it's not to, to say that there wasn't enormous amount of hard work and effort and rolling up your sleeves. But Again, given the audacity of what we were trying to do, we really should not have been successful. And and I think the 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 reason I attribute to that, that is that we built Minerva to be an unimpeachable organization. Uh, we, we built it uh, to stand above the fray, such that, for example, when you talk about access, um, there is no highly selective university in the United States. You know, even in the world that could come and look at our student body makeup and say, well, you know, why don't you do X or Y? Because we are more socioeconomically diverse than any of them, by a mile. Um, and when you take into account how little money we have, um, it's, it's even uh, more astonishing, right? I mean, why it is that a a, a university that has uh, effectively a, a minuscule uh, and non-liquid endowment can charge $30,000 a year for tuition fees, room, and board, um, whereas it, it, the, these multi-billion dollar endowed institutions charge $70,000 for a lower-touch, lower-quality education, and where these other institutions have 52 to 55% of their student body full-pay students at $70,000 a year, meaning that 52 to 55% of, uh, of the students come from the 1% wealthiest households in the world, the 2% wealthiest households in the United States. And for an our student body, 80% of the students, 80%, can't afford 30000 right? 95% wouldn't be able to afford 70000 if we are to that. And the outcomes we have with that student body, which is, again, far more socioeconomically diverse, is vastly superior to those that are economically discriminatory. That, um, that structure made the Minerva journey, again, even though it's, it, it erected challenges because we were doing the kinds of things that needed to be done, it, it just created a rallying cry um, where those who would want to stand in our way Certainly couldn't do it publicly. Um, it, it, we're very hard uh, to take a public stance against, and that and uh, that served us, you know, and, and served the cause very, very well. So, so Ben, let's talk about
0: a manifesto, if there is one, that Minerva subscribes by, or that Ben subscribes by, in terms of these are the areas of higher education that need to change, or that need to be the, the the bedrock upon which we are built, what would those key
1: pieces be? Yeah, it's a great question. There, there are, are four uh, kind of animating uh, um, aspects of, of what makes, uh, uh, or, or kind of what our, our central values are. Um, the first one I talked uh, uh, about is this idea of critical wisdom um a critical wisdom is um uh is really at the heart of everything that we do um and and it means that a, a central belief and i think now uh, we have proven that you can actually teach human beings at a young age how to be systematic thinkers and be able to apply what it is that they learn in a uh, uh, in in a uh, in effective way um so that's that's kind of the the first leg of the the um, the Minerva manifesto. The second is this idea of amplified potential um and that is that talent is broadly distributed uh around the world across every socioeconomic class division background you can think of, and that it is um effectively uh a, a a a humanist perspective, where we are so often driven to serve this or that, or be identified with this, that, or the other, and we just reject that idea. Uh, we we just believe that uh, you you want to amplify the potential of the highest potential human beings on the planet, and if you do that, you will by default have. The most, uh, diverse in every respect student body and arming them with critical wisdom means you're going to have the biggest impact in the world. The third is, uh, uh, it, to make sure that you actually harness that in the, in the right way is to think about this, this concept we refer to as meaningful creation. Um, and meaningful creation is, is a value which is, um, Kind of core to what we actually do at Minerva day to day. It's a um, it, it's this idea that you know our our our, uh, uh, our mission, nurturing critical wisdom for the sake of the world, um, is uh, this is for the sake of the world part, right? The nurturing is about amplified potential, critical wisdom is about critical wisdom, but for the sake of the world is really about meaningful creation. Is now that you've found these individuals that can change the world, now that you have armed them with the tools to do so, do you model out and enable them to do it for the sake of the world as opposed to do it for their own sake or to spin around and uh, try to solve uh, uh, problems that uh, are not problems or try to address symptoms as opposed to problems, uh, uh, et cetera? And then the last one, which is kind of underpins them all uh, and is really the precursor is this idea of purposeful integrity. Um, And and purposeful integrity um, really speaks to uh, why Minerva, when we show up uh, to any conversation, to any uh, um, action, why we are so different. Uh, We will often agree with, uh, with goals that uh, uh that a lot of people kind of express consensus around but we will vehemently disagree with uh, uh with the process by which people go about them and and to us that that is the core of purposeful integrity which is just when you know there there are consensus solutions that society is kind of anchored around to achieve certain goals that empirically are demonstrated to be counterproductive. Yet because the society assigns those processes to achieve that goal, no one raises their hand and says, uh, wait a second, we're actually being counterproductive. We're not achieving the goal. Guys, we're all trying to go to a certain perspective, but why are we going this other way that that actually is is getting us further away? Purposeful integrity means that you don't just a, a, a participate in performative action. You don't just say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm for this cause or that cause, and look, look at me, I'm for it. While what you're actually doing is participating in a process that undermines it. And it means that you have to take the kinds of stands and positions that will require people to pause and look deeper, that will require people to actually think through why it is that you're using different language, why it is that you're using different approaches, why it is that you have a different philosophy, because you know that the end goal is actually what matters, not the performative value that you have on the way. It's not about you, it's about um, the purposeful integrity with which you you do your work. So those are kind of the four pillars of, of our manifesto, our value proposition.
0: Chancellor Ben Nelson is the founder of Minerva, and a visionary with a passion to reinvent higher education. Prior to Minerva, Nelson spent more than 10 years at Snapfish, where he helped build the company, from startup to the world's largest personal publishing service. Prior to joining Snapfish, Nelson was president and CEO of Community Ventures, a network of locally branded portals for American communities. Nelson's passion for reforming undergraduate education was first sparked at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, where he received a Bachelor's of Science in Economics. After creating a blueprint for curricular reform in his first year of school, Nelson went on to become the chair of the Student Committee on Undergraduate Education, a pedagogical think tank that is the oldest and only non-elected student government body at the University of Pennsylvania. This episode was recorded live on Clubhouse. Check us out at the Future X Tribe. It was produced by the Future X Tribe, Beyond Academics, and b Global. Executive Director and Chief Moderator, Matt Alex. Edited by b Global Media. Our music is by David Cutter. I'm Hector H. Lopez. We'll see you next time as we continue our discussions with the higher ed changemakers on the FutureX Podcast.